Hey, this is your host, John Dandro, and I'd like to welcome you to the debut episode of the CPL Podcast. You're probably wondering exactly who we are, what we do, and what a podcast is even. Basically, we're a group of teens from Cheshire, Connecticut, and we think it would be cool to provide a way to expose new talent of all kinds. We're going to feature local team musicians, writers, broadcasters, etc. It's also a place to voice our opinions, as well as hear yours, and just generally have fun. We're produced by the Cheshire Public Library, with the guidance of Sarah Morgan, the resident teen librarian. As for the question of what exactly a podcast is, a podcast is audio on demand. It's kind of a radio show that's on the internet. You don't need an iPod to listen to it. Any computer will work fine. You just need the iTunes software by Apple, a free download from Apple.com. You can find us in the podcast directory of the iTunes Music Store. So, let's take a look at what we've got lined up for today's show. We're lucky enough to have a local celebrity appearance of sorts, actually. He performed at One Axe to a standing ovation, and now he's here with us today. He's a true definition of a one-man band, the beatboxer Paul. Clips of Paul will be sprinkled throughout the show, with his main performance closing it out. I think it's really amazing what he can do, and I'm pretty sure you're going to agree with me once you've heard him again. Of course, beatboxing is not the only thing we're bringing you today. We're featuring a love-hate music debate, which is recorded live and unscripted, and actually, as a result, is pretty funny. Also, performing before Paul, we've lined up for you some selections from the popular band Incorporate This, as well as some clips from Nautis, which will also be spread throughout the show. And, as if all that wasn't enough already, we have some extremely talented writers who are going to be reading us some of their work, which ranges from the serious to the funny and everywhere in between. I'm confident there's something somewhere in there for everyone to like. All right, now that you know what you're in for, let's go to our general manager, Colin Lee, to give you the first segment of the show, the love-hate music debate. Throughout the show today, you will hear many shout-outs from listeners like you. Whenever you hear this sound, a shout-out will be read by Liz. Now let's get the show started. First up is Brianna and Matt with their love-hate musical debate. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brianna. And for legal reasons, our full names must remain undisclosed. Together, we are the Love Hate Musical Debate for the January podcast, brought to you by the Cheshire Public Library. This month, we are here to discuss how much we love Creed. Oh, God. But I thought everybody loved Creed. Yeah, right. Creed? The epitome of musical atrocity? I'm here to prove you the dreadfulness of their music, the detrimental qualities of their lyrical philosophy, and to expose them for their conceited behavior and disrespect to renowned artists of much greater musical talent. I do not agree. Creed displays an array of musical talents, lyrical emotion, and meaningful messages. Contrary to popular belief, the messages they send are not all full of religion. Many people could argue the fact that their messages could be conveyed differently than, other, than only through religious topics. For people who are not religious, their messages can still mean a lot about life and how to live your life better and fuller. When Scott sings about religious aspects of his life, you can interpret it differently to fit your own perspective on liveliness. I feel great dissent towards the idea that religion could be conveyed as anything other than religion. Scott... Dun-dun-dun, the singer and lyrical purveyor of Creed, dun-dun-dun, that's kind of strange, isn't it, was brought up as a strict fundamentalist. He speaks, or seeks, to spread Christian views to an ever more liberal society. Whether he can get away with it by covering up or not, I don't argue that religion is wrong, but Scott Stapp should stick to his words. 
Through his music, he speaks religion. But when questioned about this attribute... <laughs> <laughs> this astrobute of creed... He outright lies, stating that religion has nothing to do with it. Very believable of a man who often poses as Jesus in his very own music videos. Overall, they pulled together to create a one-of-a-kind sound. The guitarist has very extensive training in a variety of styles. And is one-of-a-kind. Providing... A great amount of one-of-a-kind originality. To the band. Which is one-of-a-kind. <laughs> Scott Staff... A very one-of-a-kind man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Scott Staff has a very unique sounding voice which, with a great amount of talent and pizzazz. Pizzazz? What's that? Sure, Scott's voice is outstanding. And one of a kind. If you can look past his use of steroids. Which is one of a kind. To alter create the range which he can produce. Which is also one of a kind. And the drummer plays the same dull, in-time beat repeatedly. One of a kindly. Not one of a kindly. Repeatedly. Which is one of a kind. I disagree. Dun dun dun! We're disagreeing. What a surprise. So now that this debate is over, what have you learned? Do you like Creed? Don't even kid yourself. I guess that's a no. Maybe if Scott Staff gets a shave. Well, thank you for listening to our debate. Cuts for his the hair. January edition of the Cheshire Public Library podcast. Please tune in next month to listen to the Love-Hate Musical Debate. Next month, we'll warn you about Hawthorne Heights. They're outside your window. With a radio. Can you take me higher to a place where Scottsdap don't sing? Well, that was one of a kind. The first shout-out this episode is from Kelly, and she would like to say, Yo, yo, yo. Here's a shout-out to all my peeps chilling in the Chetto. This podcast is banging. Next up on the show, we're going to have Josh. He's going to be reading an original piece that he wrote, titled On the Trail of the Trickster. The desert night is humming with life. The animals that sleep or hide out by day have appeared one by one like stars in the evening sky. From scorpions and spiders to bats and the flowering saguaro cacti that punctuate the sandy scene. But I can't look at them right now. That's the thing about Coyote Man. One look away from him, one bat of the eyelashes, and he's gone! And you won't see him again until he wants you to. But I've caught him by surprise, and I've got a question for him. Why ask a coyote? Because he lives out here, where the pixie dust and cupid fumes from Las Vegas mixes with the cacao aroma and mezcal vapor from Mexico. Out here, he eavesdrops on the peyote sages, old Indians made wise by long looks at this world and fleeting glimpses of another. He starts fights amongst the suburban couples on the highway. You know, the ones that sound like this. Walter, you should have taken that right. Look, Vivian, I know exactly where we are. While at the same time, he'll make funny faces at the little kids in the back seat, making them laugh like crazy. If you're not careful, he'll steal your food, water, money, and anything else he can pick from your pockets. But just when you think you're about to die, he'll have led you on a roundabout route back into town. He doesn't care that farmers shoot at him or leave poisoned meat around for him. He just makes a deal with the rain and the wind, and any farmer who does that will be bankrupt within a year. In India, they call it karma, but out here it's known to be coyote. Oh, now look what you've made me do. I've lost him. No matter. What happens, happens. We'll see him sooner or later. The moon is so big tonight, so perfect for howling at. I'd howl myself if I had half a reason to. Every wolf in the Rockies all the way up to Alberta is probably going bananas tonight. But coyote's not howling. Tonight he's feasting on roadkill or whatever he can steal from a vulture and somewhere between the mouthfuls. He's laughing at me. You probably think I'm crazy leading you into the desert following an animal that doesn't leave tracks. 
Trust me, Coyote's just too wise, too cool to leave tracks. If he left tracks, he'd be bang dead in no time flat. How'd he get so wise? How'd so damn cool? Coyote treats wisdom like any other thing he wants. He sees it and goes after it. Coyote knows that even wisdom can be bought, begged, borrowed, and stolen, kidnapped if you like. And he doesn't care how he gets it. Only that he does. What was that? Tell me you saw that clearer than I did. This way, quick! Coyote tried to give us the slip. Walked right between us and I only just glimpsed him. He's tricky like that, but come quickly now. I've got his end again. How wise is Coyote? Well, it's hard to say. The old stories, the stories that had come from when he was young and empty-headed, show a foolish Coyote indeed. It's only as the stories progress we see a wise, wiser, wisest Coyote emerge. I'm sure to a Yale professor, smarty pants, PhD type, he'd still seem a complete fool. But he's wise enough to know that the snake winding over the dunes and the wind snaking over the sand are doing the same dance. Out here, that's what's important. There's a dance for everything you can see and touch, and very many for things that are invisible, intangible, deeper, and greater than the senses can measure. And Coyote can dance nearly all of them. The only dance that Coyote cannot do is the jig for the end of the world, and that is mankind's dance. We can do others, but we have not. Nor will we. Unless... Coyote learns more, gazing at the death-black shadow of a new moon, than those self-styled sages of the daytime world learn in a string of intelligent lifetimes. Ha ha! There he is again. Stand low to the rock, like me. Don't take your eyes off him. Oh, he's spotted us. Now's my chance. Standing on the red rock, I shout, Coyote! What is the meaning of life? And Coyote, wise Coyote, handsome Coyote, brave Coyote, Coyote the trickster god, Coyote the vagabond, Coyote the seducer, Coyote the cutpurse, Coyote the king of deception, pan of the desert, teller of tales, picker of bones. Coyote begins to chase his tail. And I watch him for thirty minutes, standing there on the rock as he goes round and round in the tightest little circle, kicking up clouds of dust until finally, dizzily, he stops, lies down, and puts the tip of his tail in his mouth. As we stumble along the road to town in the pallid light of dawn, he whispered to me, drunk with the desert night. I think I understand the tail-chasing thing, but before you can go on, I interrupt. Don't tell me, I say. Just that one. Why don't you worry about it? Don't worry about it. 
thought was incorporate this with their single, Never Come Down. Anonymous says, Shout out to all my best friends, Tinky Winky, Dipsy Whipsy, Lala, and Poe. You make the world go round. Hi, I'm Sarah, the teen librarian. And I'm Matt from the Teen Book Board. Members of the Teen Book Board chose these titles, old and new, as the best reads of the year. In Fantasy, The Eldest by Christopher Paolini, the best-selling teen book of all time, and the latest Harry Potter book, The Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince by J.K. Rowling, and from the Gregor Sh the Overlander series, Gregor and the Curse of the Warm Bloods by Suzanne Collins. And also from the teen section of the library, The Bridesmaid by Haley Abbott, Tropical Kiss by Jan Coffey, Skeleton Key by Anthony Horowitz, Jake Reinvented by Gordon Corman, and a teen classic, Go Ask Alice by Anonymous. From the adult fiction section, members enjoyed The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Ruiz Zefan, Codename Baby by Christina Skye, The Secret Life of Bees by Sue Kidd, and The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Hatton. Thanks, and now Matt's gonna share some of his recommendations for you, If You Liked Eldest by Christopher Paolini. The series by Tamora Pierce, The Immortals and The Song of the Linus. The Redwall series by Brian Jakes. And also, Anne McCaffrey and her Harper Harrow trilogy, Dragon Singer, Dragon Song, and Dragon Drums. And in fantasy news, the Star Wars series fiction is now co-located in the teen area of the public library, as are most of the Star Trek titles. These titles sound good, stop by the library and check them out. If you're interested in joining the Teen Book Board or learning about other teen programs at the Cheshire Public Library, visit the library or our website, www.cheshirelibrary.org. Here's the first chapter of the novel Avatar of Retribution by Wendy and Kieran. You are a disgrace to our temple. The blonde priestess put her hands on her hips. How dare you spy upon the princess? You will be condemned to burn for all eternity. The high priest seemed to ignore her, his eyes clouded with unfathomable thoughts. He blinked as his dark brown hair fell over his eyes, slipping past his ears and obscuring his vision. He'd had enough. The priestess could only push him so far before he snapped. It was no trivial matter with, him, with he and Ariadne. He was convinced of his love, his dedication. But more so, he was not about to be reprimanded for his affection. He'd been staring at the floor, but his gaze flickered across the room until it rested on the priestess. Anger bubbled into his consciousness. His psyche moistened with emotional steam. Again, he was only so malleable, there came a point where he would snap. Try me, woman. He spat as he straightened up facing her. He towered over the young woman, and he wasn't about to be intimidated by her. And you will regret it. You will not touch the likes of the princess. She is but 15 years of age, the emperor's one and only daughter. You defile this temple with your presence. What happened to your vows of allegiance to the goddess? Leave at once and spoil our holy ground no more with your vows of false love to the princess. But 15? Gods, girls younger than she have been made mothers. Surely you know that. He responded instantly. My vows are still intact. I have done nothing wrong. I have not set a foot beyond the codes of conduct, and you know it. Don't even try your pathetic blackmail attempt on me. I shall not leave, but neither is my love false. You do wise not to mock my affection. It was obvious that, if he pulled rank, he could easily send her home, disgraced, dismissed, and forgotten. 
However, she is aggravating him, striking a chord that had spent months festering, sent the first day Aureus had mentioned Ariadne to him. Ariadne. He had muttered. A beautiful name. Pray you, tell me who it belongs to, my lord Aureus. Oh, but if only the fool of a general had kept his mouth shut. Reality snapped back into focus, forcing a violent end to his reverie. His lips moistened as he ran his tongue across them, and it crossed his mind that the priestess was quite attractive. He had no interest in her, though, and he doubted he'd have any qualms about slaying the poor girl. He spoke in a much more sedated tone and said, If you don't mind, I'd like to remain in the privacy of my own room, thank you. Leave my princess be. Priestess Helena stood her ground. She has enough to do without being involved with the likes of you. I warn you, if you do not desist with your scandalous activity, the emperor will surely know about this. My princess Ariadne, I vow to always protect you from perverts and scum such as this. That day, when she had caught the man. Helena, what's wrong? Ariadne turned round from walking up the castle path to her rooms to see her teacher standing in between two stone columns with a preoccupied look on her face. Princess, go ahead of me. All right. Without a second thought, the girl with the mismatched eyes turned around and resumed walking. Bastard. Helena glared, seemingly into empty, empty space. Show yourself at once. The air shivered, and the priest appeared from behind the opposite row of columns. What right have you to call me by such a filthy vituperation? He inquired in his languid, calm voice. Even in his insults, he didn't rise an octave in speaking. He was a true politician. His garments were horrendously casual for a man of such high stature. But then again, his position warranted him certain rights, and violating the dress code was certainly among them. Surely you didn't get the wrong impression, priestess. You were spying upon the princess. The child could not sense you, for you masked your illusion well, to deceive a rune mage with her amount of magic. Helena snapped back to the subject at hand. You dare to spy upon her highness, even when she is doing something as trivial as picking flowers? I think you have a deeper motive, high priest Ferdiel. If you knew what was good for you, you'd stay away from Princess Ariadne. Helena turned to follow Ariadne. The high priest's lips creased into a smile. He was not about to show any sort of emotion other than vague amusement. I hear this talk of deception and illusion, yet I do not believe it. I thought you a reasonable tutor for Her Majesty, but perhaps I was mistaken when I appointed you, Priestess Helena. He responded, And as one of my duties as Her Highness's tutor, it is only fitting that I protect her, Helena retorted. Being high priest does not warrant you to spy on the princess. The young priest clutched a hand to his chest, feigning indignation. I'm aghast. You dare accuse me of such a crime as securing our benevolent emperor's most trusted possession? He mocked. I know. I should be ashamed of myself for caring about our nation's well-being. His eyes grew cold and he dropped the act. So no more foolishness. Get back to your job, priestess. Helena brushed past the priest, but not without a rude, muttered, Versifer. Helena, what's wrong? Ariadne asked her tutor again, once in the safety of her room. Just seeing the high priest on some business. Watch out, princess. Helena shifted a table out of the way. You must be careful of where you're going. I know. Ariadne smiled ruefully and rubbed her left eye. To unknowing folk, its earthy hues hid its uselessness as a window to view the outside world. Thankfully, her right violet eye functioned well enough. The priest watched her retreating form, Disgust plastered across his normally blank demeanor for a brief few moments. <laughs> he smirked. Watch your back, Helena. She was long gone. 
He turned, only to be swallowed up by the colonnade once again. And here are some local announcements. Attention classes of 06 and 07. Anyone planning on attending the proms, our juniors and seniors are sponsoring a prom fashion show to model all the latest fashionable dresses and tuxedos. The show will take place on Wednesday, March 1st in the Cheshire High School Commons from 6 to 9 p.m. The dresses were donated by Deb Filene's in the dressing room. The tuxedos were donated by Men's Warehouse. See you there. An announcement from the Yellow House. The Yellow House, Cheshire's Teen Center, is open to all Cheshire residents in grades 9 through 12. The Yellow House holds drop-in days on Monday and Wednesday from 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock. The Yellow House offers structured programs on Tuesday and Thursday from 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock and on Friday from 6 o'clock to 11 o'clock. Upcoming programs include a bowling trip on Friday, February 3rd, a games tournament including air hockey, pool, and foosball on Friday, February 10th, and a Valentine's edition of Battle of the Sexes on Friday, February 17th. The Yellow House will be closed the week of February vacation. Want to know more? Visit the Youth Services section of the town website or call the Yellow House at 203-271-2769. You can even drop by. It's not hard to find. Just look for the big Yellow House across from Cheshire High School. Hope to see you there. The Umbrella is a club at Cheshire High designed to promote tolerance and understanding in regards to all aspects of diversity in the Cheshire community. They usually meet Wednesdays after school. Stop by room 111 for more information. Hey y'all, shout out to my boy Chuck Norris. Anonymous would like to say, to my boo, love your boo. Short one. Caitlin says, hi boogie, love you forever. Hugs and kisses. And now for the finale of our show, here's Paul the Beatboxer with his feature performance. So, that pretty much does it for today. Now we're going to go to the credits. Again, hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.
Produced by Cheshire Public Library Sarah Klein Morgan Teen Librarian Production Team Colin John Liz Contributors Now it is Incorporate Josh Wendy Brianna Desi And The Two Matt With thanks to the Minifield Communications Network